This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. I will share, along with my fabulous guest, ahas, insights, and tips to enhance and support your book publishing journey. My goal is to always support you and your book success. So let's get started. My guest today is no stranger to these airways. She's been on us with before. Jacqueline Costner, Dr. Jacqueline Costner, is also known as the webinar guru. She's the best-selling author of two books, Knights of the Tiller Roundtable and Virtual Leadership. She's also the founder and CEO of Bridge the Distance, an international training company. Her clients have included IBM, AT&T, Lockheed Martin, Hewlett-Packard, Wells Fargo, Merck Pharmaceutical, and so many more. Jacqueline's passion is helping people understand how to use technology to communicate better, collaborate better, and connect better, especially when people are not face-to-face. Pioneer in webinar engagement effectiveness, she trains people how to build webinars that are engaging, interactive, and fun. Truly, she's the antidote to boring webinars and to what we've all been going through this past year and a half. She's been quoted as an expert and respected business media, including the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forge, uh, Fortune, Forbes, Time, Kiplinger, and so many more. And what we're going to be digging into today is one of her expertise, which is PowerPoint. The effective use of PowerPoint was instrumental in driving her success as a speaker, trainer, and entrepreneur, and she stayed ahead of the curve bringing in new concepts, new techniques, new strategies, and using PowerPoint that no one had even thought of. Today, she's going to share some of her success secrets. So please welcome, welcome back, Jacqueline Costner. Hey, a pleasure to be with you. So where do we start? I mean, we have, you know, Jackie, we have spent this last year um, online. All of us have. And I would say a lot have not done a great job. What do you say? (laughs) Um, It is just not going to make us feel engaged and not make us feel connected. So it becomes really important in today's day and age that we look at PowerPoint differently. If we're boring, no one's going to be listening. They're going to be looking at something on their phone or surfing the Internet or somehow otherwise engaged than your presentation. Well, I, I think that's an understatement. I was c- trying to compare um, uh, a lot of these things that I have participated in as a, a guest with others and uh, and just as someone who is taking a course or a training 
uh, or has dropped in and they're stagnant. I think the right word is stagnant. Besides boring, it's stagnant. There's no movement. There's no energy. There's Zippo to encourage me to stay there. In fact, sometimes when I look at so much stuff on some of these things, I figure, why do we even need the person who's presenting? It's true. And I think part of that is because many presenters use a left brain approach. That means they think when they get on there and they're giving a presentation in a webinar that people want information. Well, they kind of do want information. But the problem is they're giving them too much information and not enough engagement. I think in today's day and age, you look at PowerPoint. It's used for presentations. It's used in meetings. It's used to create YouTube videos, remote training. It's really everywhere. Even one-page slides are used to You can put them up on Instagram and other technologies as well. We just cannot have the level of boring slides that so many of us have suffered through for so many years. I was at a presentation. It was a face-to-face about a year ago. This person had about 250 words on a slide. They were in bullets, so the text was so small in that room, you could not even read it. But she was right up front where her slides were, so guess what? She read every bullet. If that wasn't bad enough, she had 250 slides, and they all were white background with black ink on them. It was really left brain in its approach. It was, to her, all about information. I looked around the room, and it was like Ferris Bueller's day off. Everybody was just having the hardest time, even after five minutes, keeping their eyes open. In a webinar, no one's going to keep attending that long. In a webinar, they're out in a minute. And so today, anyone who's successful, boy, you really need to understand, you've got to dazzle. You've got to create and design slides that people want to look at and makes them feel energized, not zapped. I'm still seeing Tom Cruise sliding across as Ferris Bueller when you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of amazing. I think a lot of people thought that to give PowerPoint a presentation, that all you need to do is know how to operate PowerPoint. Well, you do mm-hmm. need to know how to operate it, but that is only step one. If you want to be effective today, your slides have to actually make you better, your content better than you alone. In other words, the way you put them together has to really pull people in and pull that concept in so people understand it. Uh, There's some really important left brain and right brain research. The left brain is we want to give people facts. We want to give them information. And this is how we've designed our PowerPoints in the past. But today, the right brain approach is really all about adding color and images and sounds and emotions and feeling. Even if you are doing a business presentation that's about how to make the company more profitable, you have got to be able to pull people in by the way you represent your ideas on that PowerPoint slide. It should actually make your presentation better. So when you say the left side is for information and the right side is for all the the five senses, basically, is what we're using here, Um, is there... I guess we're going to get into how do we integrate this so it snap, crackles, and pops. 
But does right. that and mean that less? So no more, no more 250 word slides. That's the first thing I'm clear on. For sure. If it's no more boring slides, get rid of the number of slides. Really, about one slide every minute to three minutes is good. You can go about 30 seconds with a slide and move to a next one. But about a minute is about right. So if we're dealing then with a 50-minute presentation, we're really talking about maybe not even 50 slides if you're doing your one because you have opening stories where you're going to be hanging out, you have closings, you have all these other kind of things that you would be structuring in speech, correct? That's correct. But as you tell that opening story, maybe it's about your last trip into the wilderness, if that's what your presentation was about, you can have a slide behind you that was maybe from that trip that you took going down that path. Uh, before you got lost <laughs> up there uh, hiking in the woods. You want to use the PowerPoint to enhance the power of your message. It takes people there that maybe aren't thinking of that very same scene that you had when you were hiking in the mountains. So would it make sense? Now, I've seen, I have actually been to, a, like you, to a lot of presentations. What if someone did an opening and uh, story, they're telling a story, with the, but there's a series of images that are going on with no words or anything, but just visuals of that path going on. Would that work? Absolutely. I think that putting a relevant image on there that is directly relevant to your content and helps to create that clarity of your words, yes, I think by far that is that. But I had one group that we went to, and the person brought in images, had like three relevant images, and then the fourth one uh, was of some people on the beach that included two or three uh, women that were in their bathing suits on the beach, and the it was just inappropriate for the content they were talking about. They did it kind of as a joke, as a way to reinvigorate the audience. Well, the person that brought in that speaker said, right now, turn off your computer. We're turning. This presentation is over. And they uninvited that presenter to leave the room and everybody uh, then went and focused on something else. So it has to be relevant. Whoa. It has to add to the power of your message and not be there just to startle or to be something that's cute. Well, cute can often get you into trouble. And I think that also is, you know, one of my points is it's, it's just really wise not to try to tell jokes because not everyone has the same joke line nor humor line. So you have to be careful. So. All right. So, so if we're doing this image and we've got the, the, the color and the bells and whistles on the right side, how much would we put on the left? Or well, do we do anything? Well, as few words as possible. No, I kind of like you can use just an image by itself on a slide. But I think to punch up that message when you come up with that punch word in your words, that you want to animate in a word or a phrase that appears on top of that message, that it kind of helps people see that one key, one or two keywords, maybe three, that are so relevant to why you put that image up there. And you get it to appear at the point where it is relevant in your presentation. All right. So we're going to continue on to you, with all of you, to create the most relevant presentation you can imagine with Dr. Jacqueline Costner, who is the webinar guru. And we're going to do some deep diving in how to make PowerPoint absolutely more engaging from today as in starting forward. We'll be right back. 
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, it's time to say bye-bye to boring webinars and virtual meetings and remote meetings. And, of course, you can't really control it if you're not running it um, and the host. But um, you can when you're doing it, as so many of us have been propelled into uh, whether it's WebEx or GoToWebinar or ZoomingNet um, that – it's huge. So you have to learn these techniques. There's There are tricks, there are tips. And if you're using visuals, uh, we've got the perfect person with us today, Dr. Jacqueline Costner, the webinar guru. So one of the things, Jackie, I wanted to ask you about the increasing short attention span. How, how does that impact what's going on? Yeah, it's been happening over a lot of years. We keep having shorter and shorter attention spans. We're looking at shorter and shorter words that we use. Think of the tweet. You know, you've got 280 characters in your tweet. Well, what I want to challenge, you know, our real competition for presentations is really all the media around us. If you take a look at television, for example, did you know that they switch the camera angle about every five to seven seconds? And in some cases, if you have a same camera angle for just even 15 seconds, it'll switch because people get bored. We are used to a very fast-paced media that changes all the time. It's kind of like your phone. It beeps at you. It dings. It does all kinds of things to grab your attention because it's something new. It's something interesting, and there's all kinds of things that are pushed out at us. Well, when you give a presentation, that's your competition. And so with the short attention span that's out there, 
all the ways that we are used to a very rapidly, rapid-fire uh, kind of a media approach, we have to do the same with our PowerPoint. That's why we've got to have one slide per minute, about as average, once every once in a, uh, I'm sorry, once every one and a half minutes. And then you want to have great visuals that keep people's attention before they start losing that focus and, and then picking up their phone or getting distracted by something else. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that said, that we have the, um, mo- most of us have the attention span, of less, uh, less of attention span than a goldfish, which does not say a lot for us. And by the way, that's eight seconds. So right. with that, yeah, with that in <laughs> mind, you, you have a, a number of ways to make a, any slide, any PowerPoint more engaging today. Why don't we dive into some of those? And and just, uh, I mean, you've, you've you're kissing on one now. So let me continue with just the graphics and the pictures and the color. Wonderful. Well, we do need to engage with pictures, graphics, and color. A picture is worth 1,000 words. That's always been true, but more so now than ever. You know, the reason the picture is so important is because it does convey that emotion, but it also relays content in a right brain approach. People say, well, photos, do I have to use photos? Yes, it's really good to use them. If you don't have any of your own, then there are sources that you can go online to get them. What's most important for people that do presentations uh, is that you're picture actually is copyrighted if it comes from somewhere else. So you can't have a free-for-all going on the Internet and finding a picture you like and then putting it in your presentation, then popping it up on YouTube. You just might find a lawyer contacting you saying You've, uh, com- you have broken the royalty laws and you owe us $1,000. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. But the important thing is that there are sites. <laughs> I hope not yet. <laughs> oh, no kidding. There are sites where you can get um, you know, royalty-free uh, images. One of my mm-hmm. favorites is Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. Um, they've really got a wonderful selection of millions of images. You just go in, put a keyword like business people happy, and it'll come back with all kinds of pictures of different people, different ages, different races, different everything. And you can choose one, and you can use that without worrying about a lawyer calling you. Mm-hmm. I use a paid service. I use Adobe stock, and I love it because the pictures are just absolutely phenomenal. They, When I read them and I use the site, it just makes my heart beat faster because they so precisely define that image that's going to be perfect for the content I want to put on each slide. And so when I use pictures, I use tend to use those from Adobe. Or, or I, iStock is another one that is a fee-based. But So what would people expect to pay for a picture, an image? Well, with Pixabay, they, it's absolutely free. Uh, but yes. you can give them a little bit of a tip if you want. Uh, but I, with the ones I use, it's about $3 an image. But normally you have to get a subscription, like 10 of them a month. So it's like $30 a month. For me, for all the presentations that I do, it's the bargain of the year. I use the pictures and they're perfect every time. And so for me, it's a real bargain. So, and is, I'm assuming they have different packages and things. Uh, the more you, the more you commit to, maybe the less it is per unit, or is that irrelevant? Well, they have their own packages. Everybody's different, and I think you'll find that about ten dollars, um, ten dollars a month is a standard fee. On some of them, is all you'll need to pay. 
Um, it really depends. Just go in and look royalty-free images. Uh, and iStock is a beautiful one. There are many others mm-hmm. that you can use. But what it does is it eliminates the fear of some lawyer contacting you five years from now saying, you have an image that was copyrighted and you used it and you don't have permission. You can say, oh, yes, I did. I had the subscription and that's where I got it. So exactly. it's really important. Okay, so let, let me add a little bit more. There's a couple of other free sites that I, that I play with. Uh, besides Pixabay, and always remember, if you go onto Pixabay, again, that's P-I-X-A-B-A-Y, that that first line is not free. It's that Those are iStock photos, and you will pay for them. So you drop to line two and beyond. This, the second thing on using Pixabay, so many people just stop at the first couple of pages. They have a gazillion pages, in many cases, on certain words and keyword phrases, so I would, you know, get to the back to see what's there because that the probability of that popping up in another presentation, if you're at a conference, is less probable. Just a little tip there. The second thing is there's another file called a uh, group I go to called the morgue, like in the morgue, M-O-R-G-U-E file, morguefile.com. <laughs> um, and uh, then there is uh, one uh, that, that I like to check out called Pexels, P-E-X-E-L-S. And Pexels actually has also videos that you can tap into and use. Yeah. Actually, Pixabay has videos too, and I've actually used there them. They're go. pretty wonderful to use. It really adds a lot of interest as you go through your slides to have one that all of a sudden the background's moving. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, so there's variables that you can go into, but... Um, what you want to do, all of you, is start building an inventory of images that are affiliated with your expertise, your presentation, your keywords, so that you have them. Because there are sometimes, like in the membership sites like Stock Adobe and iStock, they have specials where you can get more than your average. And that's when you want to really stock them. Yeah, so, for sure. And some don't require that you're a member for a year. And so you buy it for one year, you get one month for free, you pay for one month, then you end your membership. But what's most important is make sure you have a record when you download that image, you keep that image on your own computer, and just in a file, I have a file that is for my Adobe images. So I know every one of them, the stock number, everything that I downloaded from. So it takes the worry off my back. Exactly. All right. You talk about white space. What's that mean? Well, When you want to draw attention to something, you put a lot of white space around it. It's kind of like going to an art museum where you go in and there's all these white walls and a very neutral floor, and you might see four paintings on the wall, and that's it. The reason they do that is so that when you come in, you are gravitating toward those colorful images that are on the wall. Well, when you want to make a point, putting an image in the middle of a slide where there's space around it that doesn't have words and doesn't have anything else, but it makes a frame, if you will, that causes more interest in that image that you posted. So it's just a way to get more image there, more attention to that image. So it creates an automatic focal point. It does. Your eye's going to go to where that color is, and so that's why it's there. Okay, so we've got we're, we've got we're gone image shopping. What about words? How many what words? What about words? This is yeah. really where people need to make what the biggest words? changes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, because 250 words on a slide is not good. You know, nobody should be using PowerPoint as a teleprompter to kind of guide them through the points of their speech. If you have bullets on your slide, there shouldn't be more than five of them. How many words for each bullet? Three. You want to really narrow this back. You do not want to have complete sentences on there. You want keywords only. What's beautiful about on cutting back the words is that in the PowerPoint, you don't want to even have those three bullets down the left side of the, of the slide as if you were writing a report. That is yesterday's way of presenting those. Today, you might have like um, three boxes going left to right across the slide. If you think about um, having three rectangular Legos and you put them on the desk in front of you in a straight line left to right, well, if that would, were to represent your three bullets, then you'd put words inside of those Lego blocks, on, inside each one of them or underneath each one of them, so that all you see on the slide would be these three rectangles, and then maybe underneath or in each of those, you'd find like three words each, and you'd go over them one at a time. The reason this is important is that people will remember three words. They're not going to remember 15. And so by getting back to those key words, it really helps you to represent your ideas better. I think one and of my favorite things in PowerPoint is the smart art. Um, if you, people have not used it, this is an essential for every single person to know how to use. And it will take that boring bullet list on the left side of your slide and you just highlight it, and then you click on Smart Art. Next thing you know, it's going to put out some ideas in lots of graphical ways of representing those three bullets in, in, in a right-brain approach, in a right-brain with art, art and color and shapes that create that focal point that the white space kind of draws your attention to. And then you're able to get the point and, and get the point across rapidly. And when people try to put a whole paragraph on there, um, it's not a good idea. Um, you want to basically take that back to just those few key words. You can still say all the words of that, but you memorize them. You know, you get them in your head so you can mm -hmm. say them. If you can't memorize all of that, then you put those few key words in bold. So attention is going to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've you've let's come back. We're gonna take our next break. I want I want you to come back and describe just a little bit more what goes underneath that tab that says smart art, because I think you're so right, Jackie. Few people really understand you know what in the heck it is anyway, um, and how it's used. And you just kind of revealed a technique that was very cool. We'll be right back, everyone. It's author you, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, 
book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one -on -one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me today is uh, Dr. Jacqueline Costner. She is known as the webinar guru, and she promises you... Um, if you follow her advice, you will never have boring slides again. And I think that's just so critical because I have I, I think of maybe of the of the of a thousand presentations that I have sat through plus, I would say 90 percent were boring when it came to the images. Am I if I I wonder if I'm overread? No, I'm not. I'm probably underestimating. <laughs> Yeah, I would probably agree with you. It's an underestimation. There are so many boring slides out there. And people, you know, the whole thing is Microsoft, they've made this PowerPoint so effective in helping people. It kind of automates the process of helping you to be more interesting. But nobody knows these things. They don't know what, what they are or where they are or how it's going to help them to be better. Smart art is phenomenal because it lets you put boring content in there and then click on the smart art option and it will mm -hmm. spit out all these different ways that it wants to make those bullets look interesting. The biggest problem is that people start off with too many words in those bullets. Get those bullets, each one back to about three words, and you're in great shape. If you have to go to five, it's still okay, but get it to three because that's the magic number. So does the smart art uh, know if you have three bullets or two bullets or four bullets of which art to re it, it pulls from and its displays? Well, actually, you get the choice. There are, I think okay. once I counted, it was like 60 or 70 choices uh, that you have and how to display that smart art. 
They've got triangles, circles, rectangles, you know, all these kind of shapes and things with a picture on the top and text on the bottom that look really complex. But when you understand where they are and how to use them, literally in one minute, you can take a dramatically boring slide and you can transform it into something that is just eye-catching. People would just love it because it has color, it has images, it has a few words. It's just the perfect art to get your idea across to other people. And after all, I'm going to say as a, as a presenter, you are the expert presenting, so you should know your material. I, you know, your slide, I, I think, Jackie, you're right. People were using them as teleprompters that and actually reading them almost um, or, or made it available that an audience person could read them and they became unnecessary. So. That's right. Just send them the slide deck if you want to be boring. You know, the whole idea, if you're a presenter, is the focus is on you and you energizing this group that's watching your presentation to do whatever it is that you're talking about. You know, whether it's a motivational speech or a speech about here's our productivity goals for the month, we have got to really get a lot better at making those ideas really fun for people to see and use. Now, you, and, you know, you mentioned there are multiple ways to use the smart art. Are there others that we haven't talked about that people well, might actually, want? Well, actually, yes. There's also a, when you actually are in PowerPoint and you start putting in some bullets. Let's say you put in three different bullets. You can even type the number one, two, three. And then your PowerPoint will actually pop up a design idea on the right side. And it will actually give you lots of different ways that it automatically suggests that you might want to select as your template for those bullets. So it might be three little circles uh, in a row, in a straight row. It might be three little rectangles in a straight row. It might be three little arrows in a straight row. They might put your text under it or text in it. It does it automatically. And so it's actually almost like having a robot, you know, to help you make these slides better. The problem is some of the suggestions are pretty bad. And so one who is learning how to use this, you have to learn how to use it in a way that really does make that engaging to your audience. Sometimes those automatically generated slides do require a little work. Well, I, I think that it's it's great to say that, oh, you can do this all in a minute, but there is fine-tuning going back forward. And it's like I've always said in, in speaking and presentation that I've always planned and it's always seems to have gone over that for every hour that I am speaking, I have a minimum of six to eight hours behind it in working in and supporting it and tweaking it and, and working on slides. And I mean, that's all included in there. So it is. It takes a long time to plan a speech. And again, you're a professional, so you're kind of used to doing that. For people that are just new getting into presentations or new and trying to make your presentation more interesting, um, it's, it's going to take you a little bit longer. But I think the important point is when you design your content for each slide, each slide should have a focal point is what is it about? What is so vital about this slide that I'm going to make a slide to focus on that content? And now I'm going to find a way to display that essential information so that my audience enjoys it and learns from it. The words enjoying it and learning from it are really critical. If they don't enjoy it, they're off doing something else. And, and, and that's the truth. They are off in there. And it's too easy to get um, misdirected, let's just say. 
Um, yes. If, if so, if they lose interest, if they lose interest in what you're doing and saying, well, you know, Jackie, I always loved it when I heard you say you have to be rabid about cutting back words. So, <laughs> um, you know, I can see you tearing into them. Right, so as, as we, we have a, it's almost like a frenzy where you're chop, 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 chop. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You have to be rabid about cutting back the words. I think part of it is that maybe some people, particularly those that want to speak professionally in front of an audience or really keep that audience engaged, you, you may need to rehearse that speech a few times. You know, get into Toastmasters so you learn how to give a good speech. But you want to learn to, to get it so that those keywords on that slide remind you of that story you want to tell with that first bullet point. And then you see the second bullet point up there and those three little keywords. Those keywords will trigger you on that story you want to tell about the second bullet point or that fact you want to give. So what you have here is the slide is actually kind of cueing you what to talk about, but it's not giving you the script. All right, you've got to know your PowerPoint well enough that you do not read it off slides. If you have to read it off the slide, that presentation is not prepared. It's not, you're not ready for it, it sounds like to me. Right, right. sure. All right, now what, let's, let's, let's hit on the person who has our 250-word slide. You know, and I'm assuming it's probably all in one paragraph, too. So. Oh, it, it was terrible. Uh, she did it every conceivable, horrible way. Uh, well, I, I had a client do that, too, and I just said, all right, clear out your next three hours because I'm working with you. <laughs> Yes, I, I'm not letting you go forward with this presentation. <laughs> well, this, this course actually lasted a full day. And so this was like eight hours of this. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, this was just too painful for humans to survive. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, she hadn't thought it through. The, what she had taken was the textbook, put it in bullet form, and then read yep. through each and every bullet you knew when she started reading bullet one that it would take about 10 minutes so she could get down to bullet number 13 on that same slide. She had so many bullets, she even ran them over into a second and even a third slide. There might be 26 bullets on that point. So it, it was not really a presentation that was designed to engage people about the importance of that content that she was getting across. She could have given them a worksheet to work with those 25 points. But you don't want to read them off of a slide. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm a, you know, for presentations, I am all for having handouts. So when you do just a couple of words, key points, and then they are writing down what they get triggered with that. So that, those that's, are takeaways. That's a reinforcement that's right. of your ideas. Yeah, they give you the keywords, and then you decide the detail you want to put on after it. And it's in your own words and your own handwriting, and that's the best way to do it. And hopefully legible. All right, so with that, <laughs> so our, our friend who was uh, the wordsmith here, um, what she needed to do was really break it down to like less than 10 keywords, those 250. You know, I'm kind of guessing here. Yes, she did. Well, she needed to redo that whole presentation. And she just really had never learned how to give a good presentation. And so that's what she showed. And I think that, you know, really, when you look at my recollection of her as a presenter is just, ugh, that was awful. That was nightmarish. And you never want anybody to think about you that way. You want them to go, wow, what a great presentation. Boy, I really enjoyed that. 
I really liked looking at the slides. You know, they were really entertaining and educational. At the same time, they were just fun. Yeah, I'm never going to do that with 250 words on a slide. So if you have, um, on a slide, Jackie, if you have one key point, it could be even just one word, would you suggest an image with that? Or would you think maybe just a solid background? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, you don't want to use, if you're presenting in front of people, probably stay away from those colored backgrounds like back, black backgrounds and things. Keep your background white so that, or very light, uh, so that people can um, see the contrast between the letters and whatever is behind it. Um, I, it really kind of depends. Like I'm thinking if you want to ask questions and you have a point you want to make, um, you might want to put you know, a big question mark in the back and then have a word or two in the front of that question mark that's in a different font. In other words, um, you can have one or two or three words. Uh, it would be an exception to put just one or two or three keywords on a slide and then have that slide after slide after slide. If you're doing it to make a point, you want that white space around it, you're trying to make a focal point, uh, you can put one word in the slide. But I tend to put behind the slide some kind of an interesting background that's really faded out. You have the ability in PowerPoint to take any background, and it's like putting a screen over it. You know how if you are looking out in your patio and you're looking through a screen, and then you open the screen and you look at that same garden that you were looking at a moment ago, it's much sharper without that screen in front of it. Well, in PowerPoint, with these backgrounds, you can put a screen on it that pretty much gets rid of most of the color and most of the, what the image is about. You can see a shadow of it, just a little bit of it, because it adds to the point that you're making with those words. And then you put that word out there right in the middle, big, bold, fill the middle of that slide, one or two or three words. People that. will love that slide. So it um, you can that. even put right. a nice, pretty big, colorful rectangle around the outside edge to frame it. Um, and and that further it. creates that white space so that, you, again, your, your eye is drawn toward the words that are in the center of the slide. Perfect. All right, we're going to be right back with our final segment. Stay tuned. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com.
The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So we're talking about really making you soar as a presenter, but using the magic of PowerPoint. With us, our guide and guru is Jacqueline Costner. She is known as the webinar um, guru, and you can find her information at webinarguru.com. Is that correct, Jackie? Yes, it is. Got it. Okay. And what I wanted to do, because 12 minutes goes really fast in this last section, I want to make sure that we kiss on... Um, how to drive interaction with your audience using slides. I think most authors would love that because that means if there's interaction, there's often book sales. Um, yeah. Coming <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and animations, should you or should you not? I, I think that's always a question on, on slides. Uh, and then certainly last but not least, let's talk about um, a title and a closing slide. All right, let's jump. Sounds perfect. Why don't we do the one about driving interaction with the slides? This is something that's revolutionary. We kind of created it when we were doing webinars because you have to drive a superior amount of interaction with your audience, 30 to 45 interactions that the audience actually does, something tangibly physical that they do 30 to 45 times every hour. It sounds impossible, but it's not. But you can use the slide to help drive that interaction. You can show them a picture of something. Let's say that I'm training a group and we're talking about a technology that is about catching problems on the manufacturing floor. And we show them a picture of um, a dashboard of a technology that's supposedly monitoring all this. And we see all these red lights and red flags everywhere. And we ask the audience, is there an emergency? Yes or no? Give me a Y or an N in chat. And so we put the image up there really quickly. And we just ask the question, is there an emergency right now? Yes or no? Or I could ask them, what is the level of emergency? From one is low, five is high, give me a number, put it in the chat. And we get them to give an answer. We usually follow that up with an open-ended question. And so let's say I asked a question about um, how many technologies do you have right now in front of you at your desk? Please pause the video right now and go ahead and, and just tally them up. And then we have them put them into chat. And so we can at once with putting that into the chat in the webinar uh, that everybody can see how many technologies everybody's got on their desktop, their tablet, their phone, their 
you know, whatever else it might be, their laptop computer. Then we can ask a follow-on question, and we can say, which of those that you just looked at is the most valuable to you every single day? And we can have them put that in, and then they put the answer in the chat. And once again, we are using the PowerPoint to make it simple to drive that activity because we've got a picture of, uh, you know, with the question on it on the PowerPoint, or we have something that's technology-related that is on the visual, and then we drive those questions related to that visual that's on there. It is so powerful. People love it. But you can do that with a face-to-face audience as well. You know, which do you like better, the left or the right? You know, the images I show you. Use your slides to make people think and react, and that pulls them in, and they really love it a lot. Well, I love that um, idea. So, And for the engagement, bring them in, and you're constantly there. I, I think one of the things that someone said when I was doing a Zoom meeting um, that one of the other participants, there was about 30 people out, said, you better not, don't, don't go away and do something because Judith hot seats you and you never know what she's coming for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, and it really is. We want to make sure people are paying attention, but getting them to participate in an activity with everybody else in the audience, it lets them see there are other people there and it's motivating for them to see other people's responses as well. So it's really fun. But let me talk for a minute about um, using animations to emphasize your thoughts, because uh, in presentations, people don't know about using animations. You know, for a while there, people went hog wild with the animations. They animated th- the transitions between the slides. They animated all the elements on the slide. And so every time you went from slide one to slide two, you had to watch all these things build on there. That's not the effective way to use animations. Animations is very, very selective. So once again, we go back to, let's say there are three circles on the slide. Underneath the three circles, we have the text that applies to um, those circles, to each of those key points that we're trying to make. What we do then is we want to animate them. And if people know how to do it, you can actually animate the smart art. There's lots of ways of animating it. People need to learn how to do it because it takes a second to animate it exactly the way that you want it. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm presenting a slide, I'm going to animate that the first bullet point comes out with the words, and I'm going to talk about it. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to hit the space bar, and the second uh, circle comes out with the words underneath it, and then I'm going to talk about it. And then I'm going to do the same with the third point. So you use the animations to allow people to really focus in on that key point that you're making at the moment. You also can do it another really cool way. Let's say that we want to put Here are the three best practices that we learned today. One, two, three. They're right next to each other, left to right on the screen. And I show them all at once. I can actually have the first one look like a heartbeat. It kind of comes out and does a little pump like a heartbeat, and I talk about it. And then the second one does a little heartbeat. And that little heartbeat is kind of a small, selective animation that draws your attention in and lets us go through the three at a time. These take about five seconds to set up. People don't know the capabilities of it. They don't know how to take text and slow it down, how to make your text come on the screen and have it like type out like a typewriter or a word at a time or somehow make it interesting and surprising so that it pulls their attention in. I love I love the idea of a typewriter, each key at a time. Love that idea. <laughs> well, it really works when you have like the keyword in the middle of the slide, 
And uh, But I like to slow them up sometimes and have it do a word at a time uh, to match what I'm saying. It's really very, very fun to do, but you've got to learn all the different ways you can manage that to make you look better in front of your audience. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of my favorite things is a story was when the military banned all the animations because people were... <laughs> Because it 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 so crowded all their uh, unique um, <laughs> Secret Service stuff, and 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 nope, nothing he'd get through. So it had to be plain Jane. No more bells and whistles. No more screeching trains coming through. Right. <laughs> well, the, the military is the only group in the world that I know that could put up a slide with a spreadsheet and five thousand yeah. animations on it. I am oh. exaggerating, and <laughs> stay on that slide for thirty minutes. Um, Uh You'd never, ever want to do that. Your slide should be on at the most two minutes and then move on. Uh I I agree with you. Let's talk about titles real quick. And then and then we want to really kiss on um, uh, an offer that you have for everybody here to take advantage of to create eye popping PowerPoints. And and I'm going to tell you when you all go to this. Let me just give you the website. It's we're going to tell you to go look at. It's https colon https colon forward slash forward slash bit bit dot ly forward slash i popping pptx. It is all in lowercase. All in lowercase now. So https colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash i popping pptx. Um, and you will see when this opens up, number one, exactly what she's talking about. For example, there is a fabulous image right on the very tippy top, like the homepage, very top. It says graphic secrets to create eye popping PowerPoint slides. And it's all these buildings and they are filtered. You know, there's like a screen, the fog is coming in. And then there's this dude holding a screen and all of a sudden a huge splash of water <laughs> is coming out. Eye popping. It's a great, I, I just had to say something, Jackie, because it is really a great uh, demonstration of what you're talking about and creating a slide that rarely will anybody see. All right. Thank let's you. Let's talk about titles. Yeah, it is. It was meant to be fun. I wanted people when they saw that to just kind of laugh. And so I'm glad it got that reaction. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved I, so it. again, I guess the whole thing I'm trying to say here is that so many people are so uncreative with PowerPoint. You do not have to be an artist. You do not need to be creative to learn how to make your PowerPoint creative. What you need to learn is how to leverage the power that's in there so you know where to go and what it will do for you and how to make it work for you. We don't want to fit into PowerPoint. We want PowerPoint to fit into what our goal is, which is to be a highly effective speaker, that our PowerPoints just make us look so much better. But beginning with a title slide that no no one's ever seen before, Judith, you've been at a presentation. People put up that first slide. Have you ever been in one where you say, I saw that slide 15 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people, no creativity. Your PowerPoint title slide with this new capability uh, in Microsoft, uh, we actually use a technique that even Microsoft doesn't teach, and it's called layering to do a title slide. No one is going to know where you got your title slide. They're going to be sitting on the edge of their seat to see what your content is because of just how new and exciting your title slide looks. Best of all, it will take you one minute to do it. It's like you just need to know the secrets 
of how to build it. And we give you the recipe um, in the training program and let you work with these concepts. You will love everything you learn because it makes people love you as a speaker much more because your slides are really good. And they help to support what your message is about. If your message is good, your slides are going to make it even better and you're going to be very successful. So, and then, I, you know, I mentioned the closing. We have like one minute here, but the, the closing, okay. at the very closing, you should do have a thing on how to reach you or who you are or something, something. So you close it up and wrap it so it's like a sandwich. That, that's right. My they can go to webinarguru.com and look at our website. You also can email me, Jacqueline at webinarguru, and that's J-A-C-L-Y-N at webinarguru, one word, dot com. And we have lots of resources for doing webinars, training webinars, presentation webinars, all kinds of webinars. But your slides must be engaging or no one is listening. If they're in the room, they'll probably stay in the room. But if they're online, they're gone. They're mentally somewhere else, and you'll have a hard time bringing them back. It's really fun to make them engaging when you know how. So we're going to turn you into a PowerPoint magician with this great training. Works for me. All right. Closing up, it's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash I popping P-P-T-X. This is Judith Riles. Thank you for being with the author you, your guide to book publishing, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Judith. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week, a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take you, the author, to the next level. You'll learn tips and secrets on how to create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve book publishing success by making one very simple change in your book's journey. How to avoid the publishing predators. How to create an author and book platform that rocks. Learn how to make a living with your words and your books. Learn how to publish a book that has no regrets and so much more. For more information, check out AuthorU.org, where authors who want to be seriously successful go. And Judith's website, TheBookShepherd.com. Then join us again here next week for more. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Brought to you by Author You and the Book Shepherd. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network.